Amen, yeah. Whoa. I'm going to need a sec to get over the lumps, right? <laughs> In the throat. I'm so glad that, um, that you're here with us. We're so glad that you're with us um, wherever you are. Um, and um, excited to celebrate this Easter together. Um, literally, um, last year I was reflecting, I, I shared this message in my pajama pants um, on Easter Sunday, and I'm, I'm glad I had to get a little more dressed up this year. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're here on Easter thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. He's alive, right? And, and it's, it's, really, it's really unlikely that that would happen. Can we acknowledge that, Right? We have a whole vocabulary for things that shouldn't happen. We have phrases that, that we use. In fact, um, if, you, if you stayed up late enough last night and you happen to be a sports fan and you watched the basketball game, there was a shot at the, at the end of overtime, a three-point shot to win the game. Okay? I mean, it was like people were talking about like maybe the greatest ending to any basketball, college basketball game ever. And, and in the first phrase when it happened, okay, the first phrase that the announcer used, he said, that was unbelievable. Can't believe it. Those words came out of his mouth. Um, we, we, have, we say things like that. Uh, you know, Buddy the Elf says this. That's shocking, right? It's shocking. Um, I once saw an eight-year-old boy walk into a room of adults. And, um, and he, he came in, and he, he did the polite thing, and he put his hand on his dad's arm to let his dad know that he had something to say. And all the adults in the room paused, and we looked at him. And he broke wind. That may not be an Easter story, but it is today. And, and our, our jaws dropped. And he said, I did not see that coming. <laughs> we have language to express surprise, shock, things that, that we don't see coming. I like, I like to say, well, what are the odds when I see something surprising, right? What were the odds that that was going to happen? And so I thought we'd just start today with some things that are, that are pretty unlikely, but, but apparently there's odds. No need to check my math on this. Um, I spent a solid four to six minutes Googling these things, so you can trust them. But you have about a one in 500,000 chance of being hit by lightning, okay? That's about right. You have uh, one, and that's a big number, what, 250 million chance of dying from shark attack, okay? Which is really only interesting in relationship to the fact that you have a one in 112 million chance of dying from a vending machine falling on you. So you're twice as likely to die from a vending machine um, than a shark attack. Um, very specific number, okay? It's, this is on the, but the Powerball, one in, what, 292,201,338 in one chance of winning the, the, the lottery. Uh, you have a one in 662,000 chance of winning an Olympic gold medal, okay? Not bad, right? Um, I, this was, I, I didn't even know that this could happen, but apparently you have a one, you had a one in 2,000, chance of being born with teeth, like born with teeth. I'm sorry, my apologies to anyone who happened to be born with teeth, but that is shocking to me. And if I can say, what are the odds? But there they are. Um, again, no need to check up on this. This is, this is all Google certified. And as we, many of us know, you have a one in 3,720 chance of successfully navigating an asteroid field. Um, I'm sorry, that's terrible, but it, it is a thing. We've been, but, but here's the thing. Like, we, we, can, we talk about things that are unlikely. And, and the fact that we are sitting here today, in the year 2021, together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus has to, like, this is unlikely, right? This is unlikely. 
what are the odds? What are the chances that we'd be here? There's so many factors working against it, not the least of which is people don't come back from the dead, right? It's really unlikely. We've been in the book of John for several months, and, and we, we've been in this series that we've called I Am because Jesus used this phrase, I am, to refer to his identity, to give pictures, understandings, ways to grasp who he is. And so we've talked through those through these weeks. Um, and, and, and it's also, but it's also possible for those of us who've heard it, who've been around it, who've been touched by it, those of us who, this isn't our first Easter, it's also easy for us to, to become inoculated by exposure to these truths. That they, we, we neglect to take them as, as seriously or we don't find them as shocking as they really are. But what Jesus did and said, he said for a reason, and John recorded them, and, and we have used this verse week after week after week, but it is essential that we get this idea. That what Jesus did, many other signs, we've talked about some of them, but he did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in John's gospel. But these that are written are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the answer, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What we do, we, what we celebrate today is that through Jesus, we have a path to life, and that path goes through belief in him. It's been our question over and over again over these last couple months, and in, it, in many ways it culminates with our celebration of Easter today. And, 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 all, and the, uh, the things that Jesus did that are recorded in this book, and what I want to do is I want to I take a look at some of these things because we have a language for being shocked. We have a language for, for being surprised by Jesus. But I want to look at some of the things that Jesus said and did in retrospect to where we are today. And just understand that Jesus was always shocking people. He was always doing something surprising. He was always doing something that seemed really unlikely. You could say, I didn't see that coming. In, in John chapter 3, in John chapter 3, it's, it's most famous probably for John 3.16 and God so loved the world, but it's an encounter. Jesus says that in the context of a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, and he tells Nicodemus that if you want to know God, you must be born again. And this was shocking to Nicodemus, who said to him, how can these things be? Like, this is, this is a shocking thing. We, we are born once, we die once, the end of the story. But how can it be? Nicodemus was shocked by Jesus' teaching. In John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples were traveling through the, the region of Samaria. They were on the move, and, and, and they, had, they had taken this path through this region of Samaria, and Jesus sits down at a well, and he talks to a woman. We find out later that, that her story was scandalous, that, that, that she, was, she was this woman who had, who had been through many marriages in her life and was probably an outcast in, the, in the, the city in which she lived. But he sits down with her, and he speaks to her, and he, he treats her with dignity and respect. And then his disciples come back, and look at what it says. It says, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. He's at a well, and he's talking with a woman. They, it was sh this was shocking behavior. To us, we might say, like, what's the problem? But in the first century for this man, this rabbi, this teacher, to be talking to a woman, they marveled at it. But no one asked him. It was, it was a little too shocking. No one asked him, what, what do you seek, or what, why are you talking to her? And look at what she did. She left her water jar. She went away into the town. And then she said to the people, come see this man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
the chosen one, the anointed one. And they went out of the town to come to him. He, he surprised her. He surprised them. They were shocked by Jesus. In the very next chapter, in chapter 5, Jesus heals a man, but he did it on the wrong day of the week. He did it on their Sunday, right? He did it on the Sabbath. And so, so the, the, the religious leaders were upset by this. And then he went further. <laughs> he claimed to say that the Sabbath is no big deal. He said, because I, like, the Sabbath submits to me. Um, I have the authority over the Sabbath. And this, this was so shocking to, to the religious people of his day. It said this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. They were so shocked by what he was saying. They were so offended by it that they wanted to kill him. In, ch- in the next chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus feeds a multitude. And then his disciples are on a boat in a storm. And he walks on the water to get near them, okay, to, to, to join them on the boat. These these crazy things happen. They get to the other side of the water, and as he's teaching, he says some challenging things to his followers about about the the trouble that they're going to encounter if they follow him and how difficult it is. He says, you're just coming to me for the free food, but there's more to it than that. There's a burden to following me. And they were so stunned by it, so shocked by it. It was terrible public relations. Verse 60 of John chapter 6 says, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It's like, who wants to hear this? And a few verses later, many of the disciples turned back. They no longer followed him after that. It was so difficult, the things that Jesus was saying. It was so shocking. In chapter 8, he challenged his his followers. In chapter 8, he challenges his followers, claiming that that their understanding of, of, of him and of the truth and of their faith, it was all wrong. And in fact, it was so wrong that they were like children of the devil, That was shocking to them. They did not believe that their religion was from the devil. And so Jesus said to them, before Abraham was, I am. Like, like he's claiming his authority over all faith, over all the religion. So they picked up stones to throw at him on the spot. No trial, no, no, (laughs) nothing. They're gonna, they're gonna kill him. And he slips out of the temple. Chapter 10, keep moving. He says, I and the Father are one. Uh-oh, that's a blasphemy alert. I'm God, right? And again, they're trying to kill him in chapter 10. Every, and everyone around him knew what he was doing, and they knew where it was headed. In chapter 11, this, it's this fascinating story where he raises Lazarus from the dead, but before they even go into to the town where Lazarus had been buried, Thomas, my namesake, says... Let us all go with him that we may die with him. I can't believe that this guy is going to go from the safety of where we are into the lion's den. They're going to kill him, and we're going to be killed with him. It's, he, he shocked them. He shocked them. Chapter 13. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, and it's such a shocking action that Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. This can't happen. I will not allow it. Jesus says, if, you, if, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Talk about reversal, right? So now Peter says, well, don't stop with my feet. Wash me from head to toe. Chapter 16, Jesus says, nope, keep moving. Nope, just kidding. Chapter 16, Jesus says this. How shocking would this be? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. You have Jesus. How many times do we think? 
If only I had Jesus here. If only he was with me. If only he could tell me what to do in this instance. If only I could have him to ask all those questions that I think I need clarity on. And Jesus says, it's to your benefit that I'm gone. No. That makes no sense. How is it better without him than with him? Well, he says, if I don't go, the, the helper, the spirit doesn't come. I'm sending him to you. It's to your benefit. It's shocking. He also said when he was on trial, see, we think that, we think that, that Jesus' presence in our situation, in, our, in the midst of us, as if he's not, but his physical presence, his, his personal embodied presence with us would solve all of our, our problems. But Jesus, when he's on trial, says, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom isn't of this world. You see, he, he, he stuns us again and says, all the stuff, all the things that are going on, that's not what it's about. It's not about this, this temporary stuff. There's something bigger than the here and now. And that's the kingdom he's talking about. He continues when he's being challenged by Pilate, and he says, you, must, you have no authority. Pilate says, I've got the authority to take your life. We tend to bow to those people, right? We, we bend the knee. We, we, we submit. And Jesus said, you wouldn't have any authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. See, this, this, is, this is shocking. He, he's talking to the most powerful person in his world. And he tells him, essentially, you're a pawn in the plan. You're a piece. The, the, the authority that's given to you, it's, not, it's, it's nothing more than, than what's been granted. And so that man does have him killed. He hands him over to be crucified. And they put Jesus on the cross. And they mock him. And he's ridiculed. And then I can only imagine the shock for his followers who had trusted him, who had believed him, who were certain that he was going to be the one who gave them their freedom. When they gave him the, 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 the vinegar, the sour wine, and he said, it's finished, and he bowed, and he gave up his spirit, he died. Don't go over it. Don't pass over it. Don't miss it. The shock that must have been with those who had been with him through the years. They'd been there when he healed others. They'd been there when he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. They'd experienced it. Their trust was in him. And now he's dead. Can you imagine the shock? How startling this would be. It was over. The whole thing. I guess I'd better go find something else for my entire life to be about. Because I gambled on this one and I lost. Death gets the final word in that moment. 
and they put him in a grave. And they rolled a stone in front of it and put a seal on it and guarded it. And the disciples went and hid. They were afraid. They were afraid that they were going to experience the same end. But we know that there was another shock to come, right? Another shock to come. And I want to read through John chapter 20 with us today. If you have a Bible and want to read it, of course, we'll put it on the screen for you as well. But in John chapter 20, we know they were in for another surprise. Do your best as we read this to, to give it fresh eyes and ears. Don't allow yourself to suffer the indifference of familiarity that we've heard it. And maybe you haven't, and if you haven't, the eyes to bring to this, that this is an account of what took place. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, this is John the author, and said to him, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where, have they, where they have laid him. Uh, get this. She didn't have a category for what had actually taken place. She'd been with him. She'd heard the language he'd used. She'd, she'd heard things that he'd said that would allude to this. But in this moment, can you imagine the shock of just a few days before seeing him dead, knowing he was dead, he was put in that tomb, and now you go and he's not there. He's not there. Keep reading, verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is John himself telling his story. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. Get this, like John sees it. He doesn't believe it enough that he's afraid to enter. He's stunned. Keep reading, he saw the, the, Peter enters, he saw the linen cloth lying there and the, the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first, this is John, also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. <laughs> then the disciples go back to their homes. What? I mean, but like they didn't know what to do with this. There was no systematic theology book that they could have read that was going to prepare them for this. They didn't have a lifetime of hearing the stories. There were no flannel graph boards in their youth to help them understand that this is the moment. They were confused and dumbfounded and they didn't know what to do so they just kind of went home. Keep reading. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. She's in the tomb. The angels are there, and she's still stunned by what she sees. But she's in anguish. She's weeping. Verse 14 Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. 
Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, it can't be Jesus. He's dead. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She heard him. She obviously grabbed for him. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father to go to my brothers and uh, but, but sorry go to my brothers and say to them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord. And that he said these things to her. Can you imagine the moment where like the categories shift? He's not dead. He's alive. It's still as shocking today as it was to her then. You know why? I don't know anyone that has gone through this. We're not talking about near death. We're talking about dead dead. In the grave. Gone. But now alive. But now alive. Jesus appears to his disciples. I want to skip down a few verses in the interest of our time this morning to verse 24. Remember Thomas? Yeah, let's go with him and get ourselves killed too, Thomas. Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, same guy, was not with them when Jesus came. He had visited, he had appeared to the other disciples. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will never believe. I won't because it doesn't happen. Eight days later, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand uh, in your hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Put out your hand. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. What an amazing verse for us today, right? At a point in time, the, the research is in. What we've suspected has come. Did, did we see the news this week? The Gallup poll. The majority of Americans are not affiliated with any house of worship, let alone Christian. Belief in this, belief in what Christ has done has moved into the minority. It's, it's just the data. But blessed are those who didn't stand in the room, who didn't have the opportunity to touch Jesus' side, who didn't witness that, but still believe. It's for you and I, right? And for generations, so long as the Lord waits on his return. It's for all who've come before us and us today the shock of life where death had been before. 
And about all of this, this leads us right to these verses, right? Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. There were all kinds of other things. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the work that Jesus did. The work that he did was so that we could believe, we could trust in it, we could rest in it, we could move confidently in it, that it could propel us into further movement and action. What are the odds, right? What are the odds that he's dead, but then he's alive again? It's got to be worse odds than winning the lottery, right? People do that. It's got to be worse, than, worse odds than winning a gold medal. That's happened. It's got to be worse than being crushed by a vending machine. Worse odds. But the thing is, what makes it what it is is that the resurrection wasn't improbable. It wasn't improbable. It was impossible. You see, that's what makes it what it is. It wasn't just unlikely that it was going to happen. It can't happen. It can't be done. Death comes for us all. It is this great equalizer. It's, it is... It's the, the, the last page of all of our stories will be written. And so the resurrection speaks to us today. It speaks to us not about just what, what's unlikely to take place. It's not, about, it's not about a good gamble, a good bet to place on Jesus. It's about believing in something that can't happen. It's about believing in something that runs completely contrary to, to, to a safe bet. It's about believing in something that's just absurd. That the dead can have new life. That what's impossible can actually happen. And we need to ask, what's impossible in our lives? What is it that we look at and say, it can't happen? It's impossible, well, first and foremost, that we can share in that life. But if it happened for Jesus, he showed that this life, this world, his kingdom is not contained by it. We can share in the resurrection. We can live beyond this life. Did you hear these young ladies in their testimony? We get, we call it heaven, but it's life everlasting with Christ he has it and he shares it with us. But there's other things in life that we just say are impossible. We look at our lives and we say, it can't happen. That broken relationship, it's impossible to be fixed, right? It's impossible. It can't be fixed. My financial situation is just impossible. It's going to ruin me. Can't be fixed. My addictions, 
impossible to overcome them. I can't do it. Or living with the shame of being exposed in my weakness and addiction. I can't, I can't, that's impossible. That's the end. Keeping, keeping our promises, it's in, they're just impossible to keep. I can't, I can't go on anymore. I can't stick to my word. I can't stick to this commitment. It's so hard that it's impossible. Our culture, our church, churches are just too divided. It's impossible to see it healed. It can't happen. And to all of those things, and to all of those impossibilities, the resurrection still speaks. And it says, to those of us who believe, you'll believe me with your your afterlife. You'll believe me with your eternal life, but will you believe me with your present life? Will you believe me that in every one of those situations, I'm still at at work? My power is still at hand. The same power that brought Christ back to life is the same power that God gives us in our life today. It's the power to experience the impossible, the can't. And so the hope of Easter is a hope for life beyond this life, but it's a hope in this life as well. That wherever we are, when hope seems lost, God says, through my son, by the power of the spirit, it's not impossible. And in fact, I'm here to make it right. These stories have been told that we may believe and have life through Christ. Because the resurrection wasn't improbable, it was impossible, but here's the thing, it was also inevitable. It was inevitable. Jesus was talking about it from the very beginning. This is what's gonna happen. You're gonna destroy this temple and I'm gonna rebuild it in three days. They're gonna take my life, but no one takes it from me. I have the power. And I give it to you. The power of resurrection is the same power today that it was in that garden tomb 2,000 years ago. It's a power that brings life from death. I'm gonna call the band up and we're gonna do one more song. It's our celebration song around here for Easter. And we're gonna celebrate the fact that our Redeemer lives. We don't worship just just someone who gave us good stuff and good teaching and a good example. We serve and worship the Lord who came in the flesh and sacrificed himself for us and then conquered the grave. And we share in that. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we... um, We believe and we ask for your life. 
And um, Lord, there's so many things in so many ways and places that I just, I feel like all hope is lost. I feel like it's impossible, like we just can't. But I thank you that you've, you've gone before us to make it so. That the, the ultimate impossibility, you've overcome it and we praise you, Lord, we thank you. And we believe you and we trust you that it's better for, for us, it's better that you're gone, that we have the spirit in all of us who believe and Spirit, we trust today that you will guide our steps, that you will, you will comfort us in our pain, but you will also prompt us with more and more trust. And God, we look forward to the day, Christ, where, where our belief, our faith is made sight and we're with you in the resurrection. And until then, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.